Let me read to you from the uh, Christmas story. Luke chapter 2. Very familiar, unless you uh, have put your hope in a reindeer or in a big fat man that lives somewhere that no one's ever found. Sorry, kids, we're glad to have you in the service. But you see, our Savior's not riding in on a reindeer. He's going to come in on a white stallion. And this is what he said to the shepherds. And then I'd like to just tell you at least four things Christ came to give you, and maybe you can use it. Everybody needs it, but not everybody's necessarily signed up. Listen to what he says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord. Now, when you read the Bible, if it said the angel of the Lord, that in the Old Testament is always Christ showing up. But this is an angel. So an angel from the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now notice who he said is coming. And we want to just underscore it. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Now let me explain that to you. You hear a lot of times in Christian circles, uh, Christ is our Savior. Or you hear people say, uh, I've been saved. What in the world do we talk about? The Savior was like what the Old Testament called one that would bring shalom, that would bring peace, well-being, uh, someone to rescue us from our predicament. That's Savior. And our predicament was so bad that nothing less than a crucified Christ could ever pay for our problem. But he came to save us from it. So that's one of his names. Why in the city of David? Because he is a descendant of David both on Mary's side and Joseph's side. And God had promised David in 2 Samuel 7, you shall have a son that will reign forever. And Jesus shows up to be that son. So he's called Savior. He has been born to you. He is Christ. Christ is a title, not a name. It's an office, like president. He will be the fulfillment of the messianic promises. He will fill the office of the anointed one. So he will fulfill that office that we've been longing for. And he's not only the Christ, he is the Lord. That means he is sovereign God. This word, the Lord, in the Old Testament, it was a word, Adonai. And it meant Lord, master, sovereign, uh, in charge. And so here comes a babe that's going to be born. He'll be a descendant of David. He'll be a son of David. He will come to be a savior. He is filling the office of Christ. And we call him Lord, which was blasphemous to tell any Jew that a baby being born is the God of the universe. But that's what they were telling these shepherds. 
This is no ordinary baby. This baby is David's king that he longed for, a Savior, the Christ. He is the Lord. And what will he do? He said, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Strips of old rags, basically. Not, not much to clothe the child. And lying in a manger, what we think of as a cattle trough. Uh, close to animals. Many times in Palestine, there was an adjoining room where the animals were kept overnight. Like We would think of it as a garage, but they kept their animals. Instead of parking their beamer, they parked their mule. And in that, in that portion of a house is where this baby is to be born. What a, what a place to have your baby, your first baby, probably a 15-year-old girl, a young woman has the Savior. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, in the highest places, as high as you can go. And this is a verse that we often, uh, this is what I want to explain. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. It's not he just came to bring peace, and you hear people say, well, if he was Lord, if he's Christ, where is the peace? It's a conditional peace. It's, a condi- it's only with those that, he, that find favor in his sight, only those who will accept his lordship, who accept his office, them and them alone does he give his gifts. Now, let me tell you four gifts that he wants to give you if you'll accept the peace terms. He'll do the dying. You have to put your trust in him. He's already done that. And thank God we actually have Easter that comes up because there's never been a grave that can hold God. And Jesus was God, and he walked out. He walked out. So uh, we're not following myths that were made up. We're following historical. You may not accept Christianity. You may be an atheist or you're a philosopher. That, but historically, you cannot disprove it. You cannot find the body. No one has ever. Historically, Christianity stands. Philosophically, you can believe all you want that the sky What you heard on the roof last night was Santa. That's okay. That's what we've been taught. In my neighborhood, I think it's a thief. But, you know, uh, some folks think it's uh, gifts. Who knows? It just depends on what neighborhood you grew up. Uh, But he said he came to bring peace. I think of the uh, 20th century. Uh, Joseph Stalin alone killed 50 million men. That was his native Russians. Uh, What about Pol Pot in Cambodia? What about the Twin Towers? Uh, We haven't known peace from this earth for the 1900 years since he came. The only people that have ever known his peace are the people who receive the peacemaker. When you receive Christ, he will bring peace to you. And it's a peace uh, that passeth all understanding. It, it's, Romans says we have peace with God 
now that we've put faith in him. We've been made right with him in the peace of knowing I'm not at war with God and I'm not at war with human beings. I actually want to bless them. I want to be good to them. And so the first thing he said he will really bring will bring peace on the earth. I ask you, are you having peace? How's your home doing? What did that last medical report say about you? Uh, how are you doing financially? I had a brother told me today he just got a job, been looking for a job for some time. God gave him a job. I think about Kenneth over here, been looking for a job a long God just gave him a job. But you know, the worst, the worst anxiety you can have is to know that the God in the heavens and you don't get along. And that there's enmity and that there's separation. And everything you want to do seems to be illegal, fattening, or immoral. And you think, nothing I like to do, God approves. Why would I want to know a God like this? And that's the way I felt before I became a Christian. All I saw was rules, strict living, uh, you know, I thought the only people that should become Christians are those at least 70. Because, you know, when you get to be 70, you can't do much harm. You're kind of safe up to that. You know, up to that time, you can get wild. 70, you're just too tired to sin. And so I thought, well, I'm about 70. Maybe I'll come to Christ. Because i got to save this precious, young, good-looking teenager body for myself. But I could have died any moment. And I was living every day, walking over the thin thatched roof of mortal life, in which any moment I could plunge through and be in eternity. Christ says, I not only want to give you peace, but in Romans 5, he says, I offer you this too. I want to give you a permanent standing before God in grace. And that means he wants to bring grace. I can get along with anyone who is willing to overlook my faults and willing to give me uh, help for all my deficiencies. And God said, when you accept Christ, I will place you permanently in my sight in a standing in grace. You don't have to merit my favor. Once you receive Christ, you will have my favor forever. Now, that's what Christ, this Christ child brought, grace. I can make it under grace. I can't make it under perfect obedience. No one ever could. And he went on to say that uh, this one will bring you hope. Uh, I remember the 60s. Anybody uh, in high school in the 60s? Oh, good. My generation. Good, good. Well, something about that, what was going on in the culture really uh, besides kids discovering drugs be- with guys coming back from Vietnam, uh, is we discovered that uh, our generation had nothing to live for. Civil rights had been fought in the 50s and early 60s. Of course, King was shot. Uh, John F. Kennedy shot. Bobby Kennedy shot. 
and the youth of this country kind of went wild. Where's our leaders? It's not safe to lead. You can get shot. Uh, when will civil rights ever be settled? When will racial tension ever end? All of that. And thousands of kids came to Christ in the 60s because a guy named Hal Lindsey wrote a book about you can know where you're going to spend eternity, even if Armageddon's going to happen, even if the Near East goes up in flames. God's got a plan about the future. And when you come to know Christ, you get a good future. Without Christ, nothing but bad is happening. You see, fear is based upon thinking the future is negative. If you think the only things in my future is uh, bad, bad health, death, eternity without God, whatever, whatever. It's not until you come to Christ that you get a future you know about. That if I die today, someday I'm going to be caught up in the air. Someday I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. Someday I'm going to inherit heaven. Someday it's going to get better, better, and better, and you can't imagine. I know my future is sure no matter what I'm going through in this life. We have our momentary light afflictions, but they will give way to an eternal weight of glory. And then he said in Romans 5 that God's love has been just abroad in our heart through Jesus Christ. Four things he offers you. He offers you his grace. He offers you peace. He offers you hope. And then he says, the love of God has been gushed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is in us. It's a wonderful thing. I, I don't know that I've ever seen so many bitter people. They're mad at something all the time. They're angry. They can hurt you. Uh, why are kids packing guns and able to take out a life over the least misunderstanding? It's because they're angry and because they've not come to love. But once you receive Christ, God has the Holy Spirit come down, and he just gushes. It literally means he gushes abroad in your heart the love of God. And what I love about that, I used to, have you ever had those days you didn't think you were really loving God, that you were just failing, you just were whatever, and you were falling short in loving him? What Romans 5 says is on your worst day, God will see to it that you know he loves you when you're his, for he's gushed his love. And that verse really means that my love for God has been gushed abroad, but God's love for me has been gushed abroad. And on my worst day, in my worst moments, I know he loves me. For while I was his enemy, while I was ungodly, while I was weak, when I was without strength, Christ died for ungodly men. He didn't die for me when he saw me going to church. He died for me when he saw me in my sins. And he said, I want you come be mine. We're going to be having a wonderful testimony. They're going to sing, Mary, did you know? But then we're going to just have Kevin Collins come up, a young man that grew up in Pinot young man that was dealing drugs from a young age, packing a gun from the age of 14. And he's going to tell you what the book of John said. We know he's the Christ because of the witnesses, and we have witnesses here. Christ will give you peace. 
Christ will give you hope. Christ will give you love. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. Every Christmas gets merrier since I've been saved. The more I know about what I really got and what Jesus Christ really gave me, it blows my mind. I just want to say that today is probably one of the biggest honors in my life to be able to tell you how excellent my Lord and Savior is on his birthday. Um, in 1 Corinthians, it says, let the, let the one who boasts, boast only in the Lord. And that's what I've come here today, to boast how wonderful and beautiful my Savior is. But my prayer is that you see past this face and you see the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ on his birthday and honor him on a day when most people have chosen to forget him. So this is my personal testimony about God, how God loved me and came looking for me at my very lowest. When I, was a, uh, <clears throat> when I was about 10 or 11, I started using drugs and started getting engaged in criminal activities. By the time I was in junior high, I started using and selling drugs to, uh, to basically to feed my habit. Um, as the years went by, I got deeper and deeper in the drug game. By the, time, by the time I was out of high school, my full-time job was running the streets, selling and using drugs, and parent, carrying a pistol. I basically spent all my 20s in and out of prison. It was, a, it was a, a never-ending cycle of drugs, guns, and prison. It was the downward spiral of my life. I can remember very vividly and clearly the day that God came knocking on my heart. I was in Susanville State Correctional Facility. And I woke up one morning and realized I had become somebody in prison. And I never wanted that. I really clearly remember saying to God that this can't be all. This can't be it. This can't be everything for me. And I remember telling myself, I'm never coming back. So when I got out, I went back to school and I became a massage therapist. To become a massage therapist. God gave me a beautiful wife and a career in my own business when no one would hire me. But the problem was that I wasn't giving God the credit. I wasn't giving him any of the glory. So slowly but surely, I started slipping back into my addiction. I started lying to my wife about my drug use. Sometime during that period, my brother showed us this church. Soon after that, he went home to be with the Lord. His death hit me hard, and I went full-blown into my drug addiction. I started staying there for days and nights and weeks at a time. My wife couldn't believe a word that I said, and she probably shouldn't have. One night, I got so high, and I smoked so much dope and crank. And if you know, you should keep you up. Well, I passed out. And that night, I had a dream about my brother. And my brother reached out his hand to me. And when I reached out my hand to him, I got sucked into darkness, a never-ending darkness, a deep vacuum that I couldn't get out of. Well, my wife woke me up. And at that moment, I realized that every single thing I had ever done, I had done before the eyes of an all-knowing, all-seeing, holy God. At that moment, I knew 
that I was going to hell. And I deserved it. And that, it, and that without Christ, I was going to take my family with me. So I got up from my bed and I went in the living room and I fell on my face. And I told Jesus, I can't do it anymore. And I was deeply sorry. I asked Jesus to take control and take the keys from me to my life. That night, I confessed with my mouth, Jesus Christ and Lord, and believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead, and he saved me. And from that point on, I had never been the same. He completely healed me of my addiction. He kept me out of prison. He restored my marriage and my family. He filled me with his Holy Spirit. And he let me know for certain that if I was to die, that I would go and spend eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven. Since then, my wife and my daughter have put their faith in Jesus Christ. They're both active members of the choir. And with the beautiful sound of their voices, they fill our home with praises to God. I used to desire to get high and do wrong. But now all I desire is to love God, to know God, and to serve him, and to give him praise, honor, and thanks in everything that I do. But see, there are some of you here that are waiting to get good enough with God, to get good enough to get with God, or to think you got it all covered. You think you know him. But the truth is, we will never, ever get good enough to get with a holy, pure, and perfect God. See, God saved me at my lowest and filthiest point, a hopeless, lying homewrecker high on meth. Don't wait. Today is a day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised. The gift of heaven is free and it's undeserved. And what better day to come to the family of God and accept the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ but on his birthday. I, I have something that I wrote that I thought was fitting for the day of Christmas because things have gotten so out of hand that you go to the store and they say happy holidays. Christ has really been taken out of the center of Christmas. But truly, Christ is the center of everything. This earth was created because of Christ. So there's nothing that is not in him, through him, and to him. Since our spiritual growth is all about loving God's Son, and our heavenly rewards are all about loving God's Son, and the definition of a work is what we have done in the name of God's Son, and if everything that is not done in the name of God's Son will be burned up, and since we can only get to God the Father through the name of His Son, our salvation rests solely on God's Son. It is the promotion of the name of Jesus that is the pinnacle of our power. If Jesus is centralized in all that we do, only then will we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit to its full intention. 
if Jesus is marginalized or put to the side, then the power of the Holy Spirit will be lacking in our arena of influence. Jesus is the key. Jesus is the ticket. Jesus is the center. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the head, the king, the heart. And it is solely in his name that our source of power dwells. If we meditate on Jesus day and night, in spirit and in truth, then we will prosper and succeed in his name, character, and will. Amen. Thank you for your time.